for joining us on episode two of the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations with some of her favorite people who are talking about the issues that matter most to you. Overcoming Monday is a podcast designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Now let's get started with an introduction to the episode. So Rachel. So Shari. That's the way we do this. Every time. Yep. I walked outside today and I thought it was freezing, so I put a coat on and then I roasted in Rachel's car (laughs) on the way here. I really like to keep it toasty. I like love being warm. One of my, something you need to know about me, one of my greatest pet peeves is being cold. It like makes me physically angry. Yeah. It's well, just not fun. I don't like being cold, but here's something you need to know about me. <laughs> when I ride in a hot car, then I get car sick, oh, and no. that makes me do things like Note throw to up. Self, yeah. As a good assistant, keep Shari <laughs> cool in the car. <sighs> yeah. Also, good assistant moment this afternoon. I um, reminded Shari to eat and bathe because you know sometimes you just get so busy that you just have to be reminded of the things that matter. Just to be clear, I did <laughs> I did bathe last night, but I didn't wash my hair. Hence, yeah. I'm wearing a hat today. You're always wearing hats. Yeah, you like I, cute hats. I love hats. Hats are her thing. Yeah, I really do like them. Um, but we had a great podcast today, didn't we? Yeah, we did. You guys are really gonna like this episode. It's some of our really good friends, um, Holly and Ava and. Uh, Ava actually got to go to Haiti with Holly and they talk a little bit about that and then I actually got to go to Haiti with Holly this past year and it was a lot of fun she leads a great trip to Haiti yeah Holly loves Haiti Holly loves Haiti (laughs) that should be a hashtag for her hashtag Holly Holly loves loves Haiti Haiti. that's right I haven't been to Haiti we had a trip scheduled for Haiti and do you know why we didn't go why not well this might be one reason but there was another but Clayton hates tarantulas and we heard that they're everywhere down there that's the reason you didn't go to Haiti. He's so scared of tarantulas. There were no tarantulas. Well, that's what I think. <laughs> and usually I have to kill the spiders in our house. But I'll tell you the real reason. There was like some kind of thing where an American got kidnapped right before oh. and held for ransom before we were going. And so they decided that they didn't want us to come. <laughs> yeah. Foreign missions, no matter where you're going, isn't always safe. No. So, but, you know, I mean... The Lord doesn't always promise safety, right? Correct. So today we're talking about unexpected dreams and how our dreams can shift around sometimes. And we may think we're headed one way, but God kind of takes us a different. Yeah. And tune in. They have some really great advice um, for if you feel like that's you. I mean, the things that they said are, I mean, totally spot on as to like how you need to like lean into those seasons so pay attention to that don't miss it yeah twists and turns in your dream can be so hard but this is going to be a good one for you to be able to overcome this right monday. this monday all right guys thanks for joining us Thank you so much for joining us for episode two of the Overcoming Monday podcast. On today's episode, we will be talking with Holly Myers. She is a mom of two, lover of all things women's ministry, and is author of Free to Be, a 40-day devotional, and she's currently writing a book called Protect What You Cherish. Ava Davis will be joining us on today's episode also. She was born in St. Louis and grew up in Chicago. 
She is a 20-something worship leader currently on tour with a Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So ladies, I'm so excited for you guys to be on this podcast with me today. Hello, ladies. Hey. And Rachel's here too, co-hosting. Yep. I always say so, so. I don't know why I do it, Rachel, but it's just the thing that I do. So Rachel. Um But I'm really excited y'all are here with us today. And Holly, I've known you for a few years. We met at a Lifeway Women in Ministry conference, and that's how we originally met. So just let's just start with you. Tell me a little bit about your background and where you've come from in ministry and where you are now. Okay. Um, uh, Well, I'm currently um, leading a church here in Gastonia called Revolution Church. We planted planted about seven years, it'll be seven years in September. But before that, we did student ministry, I'm sorry, for about 10 years. And so we kind of, we were in college, I was headed to Texas to get a seminary degree for counseling. And someone asked us to lead a Sunday school class for middle schoolers for a few months. That turned into 10 years of student ministry. So it wasn't like I had this like massive call where it was was like, hey, you're being called into ministry. It was something that I grew up in church, fell in love with Jesus, and in the process, God kind of shifted that, and student ministry became like a love for me. And then from that, each like where I'm with ministry kind of snowballed with the whole thing. So that's where it started and where I am now. That's so fun. So your um your request to help with the student ministry turned into how many years of youth pastor job? Ten years. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Did you love it, though? Oh, we fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it. I remember when we first started doing Sunday school, and I would get the little quarterlies. That was like when you had those big magazines that were overwhelming, and mm-hmm. they would hand it to you. And I remember reading it on the way to church, and it never never took really took it serious at the beginning. I was like, oh, well, I've got to read this paragraph and this question, and I didn't even know what the heck I was doing. And so it was funny to watch how that kind of like developed into like where we are now in ministry. Mm-hmm. So fun. What about you, Ava? How did you like get started in everything? When did you um, start doing what you're doing now? Tell us about what you are doing right now. Yeah, so um, it was like it was an interesting like process because I was in Chicago and then I was kind of at that like stage that I feel like a lot of like singers or anyone in performing arts kind of gets to the stage where you're like either I'm going to keep pursuing this or I'm going to like go find an actual job and go down (laughs) a normal path and like actual money so (laughs) so it was kind of at that point where I was like kind of considering um, going to school for something more practical Um, but right before that happened um, a lady from Trans-Siberian Orchestra had seen a YouTube video of me singing Amazing Grace that I posted. And and so she called because the owner at the time had just was like, call this girl. And that's how that happened. But I didn't know what it was because the email sounded so sketch. The email was just like, do you want to sing (laughs) to her? And I was like, this is weird. Like this, they're going to like, 
take me and kidnap me. Like that's what I was. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't respond. And then she called back and she was like, hi, I'm with Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And I'm thinking like Russia, like, where are you? And so, so finally she was like, well, you just research who we are and give me a call back if you're interested. And so I did that. I researched them and I was like, maybe this could, you know, I didn't still didn't know much about it, but I decided to go ahead and give it a go. And I went ahead, gave it a go, and next thing you knew, I was in that for three years. And um, fast forward, in between then, I decided I wanted to move to L.A. because, you know, that's what you do. So <laughs> I moved to L.A. for a little bit, um, stayed there, and then started serving, getting involved in church, just going and serving. I was doing greeting and like all kinds of stuff just because the church was a church plant at the time. It was Hillsong LA. So they just gone there. So it was just any, they needed people everywhere. So I was like, Oh, I want to be on the connect group and like greet people. And then as I was going back out on that tour, I realized that I just loved um, the worship ministry. And so I looked into, um, just different worship programs that I could do in between tour. So mm-hmm. I found one um, at a church and I went ahead and went to that. And I was like, this is just going to be a six month thing in between tour time. And I'm just mm-hmm. going to go back to tour after it and figure out what happened. But nope, that it turned into me accepting a full time position there, becoming a worship leader there. Because in that season, I felt like God was really um, tugging on my heart to experience that. So, um, yeah. That's great. I mean, that's a lot of transition for sure. So, Ava, I just want to continue with what we were talking about with all the unexpected, probably, turns that you've taken. Did you ever feel like you would be or dream that you would be right here where you are singing with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra or did you ever or never think that you would be here or where did you dream that you would be and now you're here like just talk about that with us because I think sometimes we have this idea of where we're going um, in our calling or our dream but when it changes it look it's can either be confusing or we can just embrace it yeah so it yeah it changed for me like multiple times. So before Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I had always dreamed of maybe Broadway or something kind of of that nature. And then mm-hmm. when I was in Trans-Siberian Orchestra, I was like, well, maybe more solo artists. Like maybe I'll just try to do that. And that's what I'll leave TSO for. And then worship leading, I didn't expect to be back in the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> And so, because then I was like, okay, now I'm on the path of ministry, and that's where I'm on, and um, that's where I feel like I'm going to be the most effective, and then I leave again, and now I'm here back at Trans-Siberian, and so, no. (laughs) No, you did not expect to be here. (laughs) No, I didn't expect to be here. It's a lot of turns, so a lot of adjusting and kind of, like, trusting, I guess, has Mm -hmm. been my... My main thing is just trusting each process because mm. I've, I'm yeah. learning that I don't think life necessarily for me, and, and I'm only in my 20s, but is not necessarily a destination, but it's going to be more of a journey mm. kind of. Um, I totally get that. 
Holly, you um, actually went to college in Western North Carolina. I was at your alma mater this past weekend at a friend's mm-hmm. graduation, which I thought was so fun. I was thinking of you the whole time. Uh, you went to Mars Hill. I guess it was college then, um, yes. which is so fun near my hometown. So mm-hmm. whenever you were at Mars Hill, um, did you ever picture yourself being where you are now, being in a church plant for seven years, having walked the road that you've walked? Um did you ever see that coming? Absolutely not. I went, actually, I went to Mars Hill, um, and I went into doing communications, and because I wanted to to write, do journalism, that's what I thought that I was going to Mars Hill for, and I went on a scholarship for clogging. <laughs> She's actually a really highly used to clog. Sure. Tell us what famous place you clogged on. You just have to now because we're here. Hee-haw and star search. Hee-haw and star search. <laughs> That's right. Okay, yeah. continue. Sorry. Um, so um, I went there, and so I went into my communications class, and they told me that I would have to do a presentation in front of the class. And so I left that class, quit that major, and said I'll never talk in front of anyone and I'm going to go into social work because social workers are wounded healers. And that's what I always heard. And so I thought, you know, I have such a past of, of, of wounds from my father. I'm going to go and start helping people. And so that's where I was headed. And then I was going to go to Texas, get my master's in counseling. And I'd been accepted. And my husband and I, Richard, we moved up our wedding date a year because I couldn't quit kissing on him. (laughs) And so we moved up our wedding date a year. And so we got married. And then six months later, I got pregnant. And so everything kind of shifted. So we knew we were going to come home for a little while. He went to grad school after Rebecca was born for him to get his um, his degree. And so now he's a therapist. So we have therapists and I'm now a stay-at-home mom. And we're leading this student ministry, like, like helping with the middle schoolers. Then two youth pastors later, we're in the mix of all these students. And over that time frame, I, I, what's crazy is I watched myself begin to change. when she's, When Ava had said, she saw things change multiple times. It was like changing. And I feel like all those times it was like God was shifting something in me to pull in a passion to push things out of me. And so I remember sitting at a conference one time and I was right in the middle of like really hating who I was. And this singer was talking about, you know, body image or whatever. I didn't even know at that time that's what I was even dealing with. So from that moment, like God put a new passion in for me for girls ministry in the, in the in the midst of all that. So never in a million years that I thought of being student ministry and my eye twitches when I say pastor's wife. Like <laughs> I would be a pastor's wife because I don't play the piano and I don't wear dresses and I don't sing in the <laughs> choir. That is Charlie, <laughs> do you do those things? Um she I clog Nashville and I do she, interpretive dance. Yeah. <laughs> not really no I don't mean that as a slam I mean I think some people really do that I'm, I'm joking about that I I don't mean to joke or put it down but I am a very awkward dancer and so that's why I made a joke about that whenever I dance my feet are turned in and I'm very spread out and it looks very strange uh, <laughs> my mom tried to get me into ballet one time and I just really felt like this is not gonna be me I think soccer's better so <laughs> I quit dance so for you're soccer. not the typical pastor's wife either? No, I, I'm not. I actually never thought that I would be a pastor's wife um, when I felt like God called me into ministry. 
I just felt like all I love to do is teach the word. And when I looked at all the pastor's wives around me, they looked, this sounds so bad. They looked too friendly and (laughs) (laughs) not sporty and don't, didn't seem to like the outdoors. I don't know. It just, I had, and I probably had a lot of stereotypes already going on in my mind. So people always have these stereotypes of what a pastor's wife is. And I think that we don't understand pastor's wives are people and Mm -hmm. they're not all cookie cookie cutter and don't look all the same. So I get it, Holly, but you transitioned from being a youth pastor to pastor's wife and how 10 years or how long into it? I can't remember how long. Well, we were at, we did student ministry for almost 10 years okay. and in the process of that. And, we and then you go. started a church. Like y'all didn't even just take the pastorship. Like you started completely no, from scratch. Started from scratch. Sat right. in the library and said, hey, let's do this. And yeah. Talk about an unexpected yeah. dream. Right. Right. Completely. Yep. Um, Richard grew up, you know, extremely poor, single mom, no dad on the wrong side of the town. Like he was very much a latchkey kid had no, like his mom worked second shift. So he was pretty much doing his own thing. So in through, throughout, throughout student ministry, I think Richard never uh, ever saw himself as being a pastor. Like we had so much fun with the kids and doing that and leading that. We, we were so comfortable in that. Rebecca, our oldest daughter had just got into the student ministry and we were comfortable. We had, we went from eight kids to 150 kids. So it was like, we were comfortable in the student ministry. So for it to be so like such a quick, crazy change in our direction and our journey like Ava said completely blindsided me but I knew that I had to follow Richard because yeah. I knew he was at her so from Jesus. I feel like I hear that with a lot of people that are going through like pursuing their dreams that they reach a spot wherever they're at that it's just comfortable to be there and then the Lord like picks them up out of that and puts them in a very uncomfortable place and I feel like that's when we actually rely on the Lord the most mm-hmm. is when we literally are not capable of doing it on our own because we don't know how. Um, That's so good. Yeah. So Ava, I wanted to ask you, um, we're going to go on to like a different question. Uh, What would you say that, what life experience do you feel like that you've gone through has stretched you the most? And what did you learn about yourself and about God in that life experience? I know it's like heavy question, right? But just, you could just pick one. It doesn't have to be, the superlative one, but just whichever one comes to mind. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, most recently it would probably be the transition back to, um, TSO, uh, or Trans-Siberian Orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, because I really didn't expect myself to, um, not only come back or be back here, but, be kind of like welcomed back with like open arms Mm -hmm. and so uh for me it's been kind of just okay god uh is what do you want me to do for for you and ministry from here because i'm still so passionate for worship leading and that's still something that um drives my heart and just in so many ways that's where i feel the most myself and the most free but On the flip side of that, I kind of dealt with just feeling a little lost, a little out of place. And I think in that situation, I think God was really telling me, you 
you can be a light wherever I put you, mm. you know, like you don't necessarily have to be within the confines of a church or confines of a church ministry or a conference or, you know, leading worship to, to people um, that believe the same thing as you. You can be in a in an area, you can be a light to people who desperately need the light in their lives. And so coming back here, I was surprised how many people approached me saying, we need your light. Like, you, like this year has been so hard for me and just, you just bring the energy or whatever, you know, yeah. for me, it's like God remaining true to his promise that he will be a light, you know, um, wherever. And I think that's in itself is rewarding because you're dealing with, you know, people may not necessarily go to church or find themselves at church on Sunday or, you know, like have a community of people really know much about it. But that's where I get stretched because that's where I learn to communicate the gospel um, in different ways, mm-hmm. you know, and not necessarily come out like thou shalt be, you know, I mean, I don't <laughs> talk like, <laughs> but it, you kind of have to break it down, you know, and so yesterday I was like, it's Sunday, let's just play Hillsong and see what happens. And the entire day getting dressed in the dressing room, we were all listening to Hillsong. And you know, like, and so like those are, and they're like, I feel great. This music is great, you know? And so I think it's just little things like that, that kind of are stretching me because, you know, I don't think this is the last place that I'll end up, but I think it will broaden my horizon to be able to reach a lot of different people in their walks I think that's great because I think that um you know when you're in high school people make fun of you you know for being a Christian oh you listen to Christian music oh you go to church you know and so there's this stigma I think as people that if we talk about God or we talk about um Mm -hmm. loving him that we're just gonna either be made fun of or be shut off Um, or if we ask someone to church or if we ask if we can pray for them, but I've not really met, I mean, I've met a few people that have said, please don't pray for me. I'm not, I'm not really into that, but for the most part, people are open. I think if you really show a heart of caring. And so I believe that Ava, that you're so good at that. And Holly, you are too. Um, you are just one of those people that people can receive anything from and you're best friend to everybody. Um, and I love that about you, but, um, tell me Holly, what do you feel like? What experience has stretched you, um, lately? And what did you learn about yourself or about God in that situation? Hmm. I think for me, this year has been so crazy. It's like I have so many friendships whose marriages are falling apart or just like financial chaos is going on. And this year has been like a tough year, I feel like, across the board in so many different areas of my life and also like in the people that are surrounding me in their lives. And so um, our churches, you know, in transition, um, new location, new things coming, like happening there. And so I've watched myself this year kind of shrink back a little bit. And it's crazy because my one word this year was seek and means seeking the face of God, being in all of God. And so it's crazy because I feel like this year he's been the most silent. And I don't think that I don't when I, I don't think he's been silent. I think that he's for a long time. I thought that's what it was. And so it was really a call for me to kind of seek him deeper and like more in, in like not just through his word, but just in everything that I was a part of. And so. I began to to shrink back a little bit. I began to like really evaluate my friendships. I really 
begin to see where the things in my life were that, that, you know, where I wasn't like filtering things through truth. And so I think that this year has been such a call for me to look at things differently, even like with my calling, the way that I am in my marriage, the way that I'm being a parent, the way that I'm being a friend. And so I feel like this year has stretched me so much. And last year, I didn't feel that way. But this year, it's like, oh my gosh, I cannot take uh, something else. But it's so crazy because I'm seeing God so in more intimately in these in these seasons than I ever have. And so this year, like I've really come to terms with, like I have a missions heart. And I go on these missions trips. So when I come back, I'm so torn up. Like I want to go and live there. And so Richard and I had a conversation just recently where it's like, I can see God doing a shifting in my heart and just different things in different areas of my life. And so I think that even like with girls ministry to women's ministry, when you said that at the very beginning, usually I would have corrected you and said, no girls ministry is my passion. Women's ministry makes my eye twitch. But (laughs) over this process of being a pastor's wife, I'm meeting with more women. I'm having more coffee dates with women. And so I feel like God is stretching me in the area of, pouring and loving in the women women of my church, but also um, creating more opportunities for people to love foreign missions and um, to see that side of things. Just recently, uh, for the first time in 15 years, I handed over our girls event to our student pastor's wife. And so that's something I've held so tightly to and not, not that I was afraid to hand it over, but I just didn't want my vision to be taken a different direction. And God so quickly said, it's not your vision. It's my vision. And Mm -hmm. so I just handed the reins over to Heather with no strings attached and says, this is your baby. Now you take it in the next decade or whatever. So that was an area that I feel like God has stretched me so much in, but I feel like from January to this past November, I had to go through those seasons of being stretched to get to the place of passing the torch. When I need to know what makeup to wear, fashion advice, a great dish to cook, or simply the latest and greatest advice, I call it my sister, Elizabeth Harper. She is the wife to an entrepreneur, mom of four, licensed esthetician, and an overall lover of beauty and trends. She is fun and amazing, and I know you're going to love this lady. So without further ado, here's what tips Elizabeth has for us today. So today's tip for the day is how to have that dream conversation with your kids. My kids get in the car after school. My first question is, how is your day? How are you doing? And I'm met with stares of, ugh, and no answer. For the longest time, I was trying to engage my kids in conversation as soon as they got home. I was ready to talk to them, ready to find out about their day. And somebody gave me the easiest tip, which is going to be my first tip for y'all this afternoon, is feed your kids. When they get home, instead of asking them, how was your day? Instead, give them a snack. I don't know about y'all, but I don't like to talk when I'm hungry and neither do our kids. So as soon as I started to feed my kids when they got home from school, guess what? They started to talk to me. It was great. <laughs> so that's my first tip for y'all. Instead of asking your kids right away when they get home, how are you? How are you? How are you? Give them a snack. Feed them. And then the next thing, number two, is compliment them. Don't even start again with how are you? How is your day? Tell me a story about your day. 
I love a good compliment. I think we all do. So you know your kids better than anybody. Give them a genuine compliment on something that you experience with them every day, something about their personality. This is going to help them to open up, want to talk, because instead of being asked something specific, they're getting fed first, fed with their snack and fed with your words. Um, number two, I'm sorry, that was number two. So this is going to be number three. <laughs> number three is story time. So many times we're asking them to tell us about their day. We're asking them to give us stories. But how often do we take a moment and tell something about our day or tell something about when we were growing up? So often we're you know, I know for me, I'm accosting my kids. <laughs> I'm like, I want to know about your day. I want to know who you talk to. I want to know this. I want to know that. But very rarely do I stop and say, guess what I did today? Guess what I learned? And I'm wanting to know more and more from them. Next, ask for their help. Ask for their help on something that maybe you went through that day instead of saying, how do you need me to help you? How can I do this for you? Ask them for their help. They have a lot to offer and this makes them feel like they're participating in your day as much as you're participating in theirs. Um, and then I know my kids love to do stuff with me. They want to do crafts. They want to be able to help out around the house. And what this does is it takes pressure off the conversation. So this is my final tip. Number five, have a no pressure conversation with your kids. Take some crafts do something together. And through that, they're going to start talking. They're going to start opening up to you a little bit more. They're going to feel like, gosh, mom's not, you know, asking me 20 questions. She just wants to do something with me. And you do, right? You want to do stuff with your kids. And through that, they're going to start talking. They're going to start opening up. And this is going to create powerful, um, mindful conversations with your children that they're going to appreciate and you're going to enjoy. So transitioning to a little bit of like a wider subject, um, I want each of you to tell us about an embarrassing moment that you've had lately. <laughs> and I know that they are plenty because I know both of you. <laughs> and so don't shy away from the most embarrassing thing you have to come lately. <laughs> I'm trying to think because I never get embarrassed. Does cannot be true holly i think i've been embarrassed so many times in my life but now i just laugh I'm like okay that's funny um maybe when your kids were embarrassed because of oh, you. oh rachel was constantly cringing at me dancing or trying to <laughs> she said i cannot believe you i bought some of those cute little steve mine tennis shoes with the platform on the bottom she said i cannot believe my mom is wearing platform shoes so and it makes me feel like I'm in this, they're really cute. When I say the people are listening, they have this image of platforms. They're not like platforms. But you just mean like, like thick sold. Right. They're a little bit bigger on the yeah. bottom. Yeah. But I, the trendy kind. I'm trying to think of an embarrassing moment. Like I can't. I don't get embarrassed. <laughs> what about you, Ava? Um, well, recently I punched a mic down in the show during one of Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened when you did you that? Just, like we laugh and then you just like just leave it. You can't like pick it back up. <laughs> so it's like doing a song and then just like boom knocks the mics down and it's just like it just has to stay there. Did it make a big sound? No. <laughs> no. Just, you just tumbled down. You just slapped a mic I down. I just slapped the mic That's down. Right. 
I have one, but I can't say it on podcast. So I'll yeah. see you later. Well, that's good. That's good. We need to censor some things anyway. Um, so I want to ask you guys a question. Um, what advice w- gave you the most courage for your calling? So when you met somebody and they just said something and you're like, oh my gosh, I'll never forget that. Or you just can't forget it because it keeps like replaying in your mind. I remember when this person said this to me, it made such a big difference in my calling and in my dream. Um, Ava, do you want to go first? I was trying to think about that one. Um, um, I mean, well, besides both of you, <laughs> you I know, I know what it is. <laughs> Sing when you think, cause that's what you just did. Uh, I'm thinking. Oh. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, Shari, you and Holly have really been two great, just unexpected influences in my world and the encouragement that you've both been able to give to me in some of my most hard moments. I try to wear a smile, so it's kind of hard to tell when I'm going through hard moments, but truly the things that you guys have both spoken into my life have really um, given me great courage. But Holly, you said something when we were in Haiti (laughs) about... When I was when we were, it's because I said a lot of things. <laughs> a lot I love of things this. in Haiti, but when we were driving through the village, and I just kept thinking about beauty to ashes, and I didn't know really what that meant. I just kept like feeling about you know, he's turning my beauty to ashes, and our um, my ashes into beauty. Sorry. I was kind of wondering too, but I was waiting for the good part. Holly's like a Debbie Downer over here. (laughs) Dang it, Nova from Ashes to Beauty. And you were like, you need to write that. That's a song and that's this and that's that. And, you know, you were just like really encouraging me because when you specifically said that's a song and were encouraging me to like, um, doing the EP and all these type of things that had been at the season where I felt like I couldn't do those things. I was going through intense like writer's block, all kinds of stuff where I felt like that's something that was no longer for me. Mm-hmm. And so every day on that Haiti trip, she kept saying it to the point where it was time to like buy souvenirs. And it had this big souvenirs like from ashes to beauty. Like it was like the one of the kids in the local villages made it. And so I was like, if this is not a sign, I don't know what it was. So I wrote it down in a journal, hung on to that. And I think it's just no coincidence that we're talking today because mm-hmm. it's just been something that I've hung on to and that I feel like I can um, turn into a song. I don't know what it's going to be, but um, yeah, that's probably been mine. That's awesome. Um, I think for me, um, I didn't want to be a speaker. I had no like desire to like get on stage and to communicate. I clogged my whole life. My mom put me in beauty pageant, so I was kind of forced out front. And then when I had Rebecca and I gained 102 pounds, oh, I say that, I think about all the Oreos that equals up to, but um, I think I, I, that's always a funny joke, but it's funny because I never wanted to be on stage. That was never my intent at all. And so, but I knew that God was stirring such a passion in me for girls ministry. And I wanted the girl in the second row that was obese or the second, the girl in the fourth row who was so promiscuous with her in relationships 
to hear something new, to hear some new truth that could really like to grab onto and change their, their direction of, of who they were in Christ. And so I remember I began chasing a dream so hard of how could I arrive and how I could become a speaker. And Shari Stinking King sent me an email that put me in my place so hard. She wasn't mean. She sent me, it was a Beth Moore email, but she had sent it to me and it just wrecked me. And I still have, I've never deleted it because if I ever need a gut check, I go to that email. And so I, something shifted when I read that email and I heard God so clearly say, stop chasing the dream and stop chasing the dream giver. And that just changed everything in me. And I thought, you know, whatever, whenever, whoever's in front of me becomes my platform. And for a season that was girls in a safe house that were rescued from sex trafficking, six girls sitting around the table, us talking about Jesus to, you know, transitioning now speaking with CKM and having opportunities, opportunities through them. It's that's been this like shifting in me that changed my direction of, how I look at, you know, speaking engagements, how I look at when I'm stepping out in front of my church to, to speak or leading up girls Bible study in my living room. I run it through that filter of, am I chasing this dream or am I chasing the dream giver? And that changes my the direction of my calling. That's so good. So for both of you, what advice would you give to someone who's pursuing a dream right now and things are maybe just not going the way that they thought they would? Um, like, what do you say to them? You want to go first, Ava? <laughs> um, well, I would say that um, where you are currently, I was, like, speaking to myself, too, where you are currently is no surprise to God. Like, he knows mm. exactly where you are, exactly what you're meant to do and where you're going. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to learn to appreciate every season for what it is because in every season I'm learning there is different lessons lessons to learn and there are um, different takeaways that will prepare you for that next journey for when you finally get to where God has called you to mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times I find that I constantly have to put my dreams before him because it may be what's what I think is best for me and where I'm most suited for, but God might see something totally better suited and more mm-hmm. fit. So mm-hmm. it's kind of just going along that journey with God and trusting him in every step of the way and knowing that where you are now is not a surprise and that he's already been where you're going. He already sees it. He mm-hmm. already yeah. has it mapped out. And so he knows how to get you there when the time is right. And the mm-hmm. only reason why you're not there yet it's because it's just not the time yet. So. Right. That's good. That's good. I would say definitely um, be reading your Bible. Um, I think reading God's word does something. It kind of highlights things when you're dictated by your, your letting your emotions run the show or your past experiences run the show or where you think you should be run the show. But when you are in God's word and you have such a sweet, intimate relationship with Jesus then you kind of, you hear things more clearly and you kind of know what direction your next step is. And I think just take one more step, just one more step Mm -hmm. and do everything you can to bloom where you are in that season that you're in. And if it's um, a tough season, you worship him through that season. And if it's a great season, you worship him through that season and nothing ever like changes. I love that she said he's not surprised by our seasons. And I always, always say that he's readying me for my next season. So if I'm not if I'm, you know, fighting him in the season that I'm in, 
and this dream is out in front of me, I'm never going to get to that place of really embracing who God's called me to be because I'm fighting him in the process. So I think that we have to keep our my eyes on Jesus, our heart on Jesus and off of the dreams because we can get so caught up in the dream and just miss Jesus in the process. So I think that stay in the word, surround yourself with people who love God and love you and um, can kind of sit, set you back up on your feet when you do fall and um, kind of move you in the direction of like where you're, where God's got you headed. So Good. Well, you guys have done such a good job on this podcast. There's so much wisdom. I know that you both have offered to the people who are listening. So first of all, I want to thank you. And then as we close out, would you guys just um, really quickly give our listeners a way that they can either follow you on social media or um, contact you? You know, Ava, um, I know you're on social media and you're so fun to watch. And Holly, you've got some great resources for people. So Ava, if you'll just start off and tell people how they can follow you and know what's going on in your life and um and then you too holly yeah i love to make new friends on social media follow me at ava <laughs> eli on instagram or i'm ava davis on facebook and let's be friends <laughs> yay love that well i love prizes so people can send those prizes at ava <laughs> <laughs> um holly h myers is my instagram and then um, www.hollyhmyers.com. You can like see all the other social media things and kind of keep up with everything that's going on in my life. But I love coffee dates and make friends as well. So, yep. And Holly's got um, resources on her yes. website to her book, two books, well, one book that she's written and one that she's working on. So you guys can look out for that. <laughs> and if you want to see Ava and the Trans Siberian Orchestra, you better buy tickets now. Or how many more dates do you guys have? I don't even know. I think so. We have two weeks left. Oh, well, it might be over. When do you finish? We finish December 31st. And so, oh, yeah. so buy your tickets for next year because <laughs> this will be airing in January. <laughs> so, so sorry. <laughs> next year, follow, follow Ava on her social media and she will let you know yes. how you can buy tickets for this upcoming year. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, we just want to thank you for being part of this and we love you both. Love you too. Bye. tuning in to episode two of the Overcoming Monday podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also connect with Shari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Her handle is shariking99. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, subscribe to her blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening today, and hopefully we've given you something to help you overcome this Monday.